0: This is episode 283 of the 200 Churches Podcast.
1: You know, to ask yourself the question, would you want to go to your church? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've heard pastors actually say, I don't think I'd want to go to my church.
0: I understand being the small church pastor and not having a whole lot of resources. You know, your building is subpar, you feel like your people are subpar, you might even think that you're subpar, but the truth is, you really can create an environment that is worth people coming into
2: Welcome to the 200 Churches podcast where every Wednesday we produce a legit episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now here are two guys who have been encouraging thousands of pastors all around the world. For five years, good friends, pastors, and podcast partners, Jeff and Johnny. This is the
3: 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Johnny Craig, and I am here at the digital desk with my friend and colleague and better-looking partner, the Reverend Katie. The right Reverend Katie, I think. That sounds good. Well, usually I'm right. Sometimes I'm (laughs)
0: left.
3: Ooh, <laughs> there you go. How you doing, That's Johnny? It. I'm doing good, man. I'm sitting here in the middle of a thunderstorm right now, so if the internet blinks out, I apologize. It's it's really booming out there.
0: You talk about the weather or the fact that your kids aren't put to bed yet? Uh, both,
3: both, both <laughs> of those. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Johnny, this episode you were not on, unfortunately. Classic. Uh, but Dave Jacobs is on, so he makes up for yeah. you and me, and I just play a bit part. But we, uh, we took listener questions, listener questions that were also Small Church Pastor Facebook group member questions.
3: Yes, that's awesome. That's, uh, that's quite the group. Last week, I think it was, I joked around that it's about like herding cats. It's a great source of encouragement, I know, for, for pastors. Here's the funny thing.
0: When we got on the line together last week to record yeah. this, he said, he said, hang on a second, Jeff, I'm taking care of a problem. He's protecting the sheep. He's protecting the rest of us.
3: Well, I'm glad Dave came on uh, the podcast. Dave, oh, man, he's classic. Dave's been with us so long. It's classic stuff. He's got good answers. And I think that there's a common refrain in this episode. Uh, We'll deal with it at the end. I don't want to spoil anything. But but
0: this is part one. This is part one. Because Dave and I talked for about 70 minutes And uh, nobody's going to listen to all 70 minutes. So we're just going to do part one this week. Part one, it might be next week or we might save it for a week or two. Uh, down the line, and but we'll get back to part two. But here's part one of uh, the Q and A with uh, Dave Jacobs and myself. Dave Jacobs, it is very, very good to finally have you back on the podcast. We we have missed you for many months. I think it's been a
1: long time. Is there any like reason behind it? Should I feel insecure, or is it just coincidence?
0: I think it's life clutter. Life clutter. Life clutter. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm busy. Johnny's busy. We're not together anymore. We're just flying through life by the seat of our pants right now. We'd like to say that we've got everything all ordered, you know, organized in our lives. And, you know, for the most part, we do. But the podcast takes a back seat to our families and our ministries. There you go. And our guests take a seat right behind the podcast, I think. <laughs> so you guys have
1: gone through some pretty significant changes. I mean, yeah. it, it makes sense to me that it, there'd be a season of just kind of adjusting and kind of getting your rhythm back.
0: Yeah, there's been significant things happening in my family, in Johnny's okay. family, and then in our church situations, you know, our ministries, and really the yeah. only constant has been the podcast for the past, oh, five and a half years now, and it has traveled really? with us through all kinds of life changes, And uh, but it's been, it's continues to be fun, just got another email yesterday uh from a guy named tom uh just sharing you know the blessing that the podcast is in his life and the encouragement right. that it is he said he particularly likes the guests who have not written books not spoke at conferences <laughs> you know they don't have websites he says these people actually uh, speak his language he understands their he understands them and they're encouraging yeah. to him and it's exactly why you we know, do that
1: you know, one uh, that I just recently experienced, I, I've got a, a whole new round of uh, pastors that I'm coaching, and uh, in the introductory uh, kind of phone call, I ask them, uh, how did you hear about me? And I bet you of the 10 pastors, new pastors that I'm coaching right now, I bet you half of them said, I heard you on the 200 Churches podcast.
0: That's awesome.
1: And, I love and then I'll say to them, isn't, isn't that great? And they'll say things like, either, it's the only one I listen to or it's the only one of two that I listen to. Uh, and, you know, you guys are really providing just a lot of encouragement uh, to pastors of, well, all-sized churches, but especially smaller churches.
0: Yeah, and, you know, we couldn't do it without people like you, you know, without week after week uh, getting guests. it's This is really interesting. Recently, I was on a flight out of Chicago to Des Moines, okay. and— it's a it's a long funny story. Maybe I'll tell it when I talk to this person. Uh, but he literally ended up in the same row with me, and we we began talking when we landed in Des Moines. We spoke okay. we spoke during the taxi to the gate, and I realized that I had just seen his story on some video shared on Facebook, and we talked about it. And I said. Uh, I said, so where do you live? And he said, uh, West Palm Beach. And I okay. said, well, what are you doing here? He said, well my, well, my dad lives here. Turns out his dad lives in Des Moines. His dad works a right. mile from my house at a community college. Oh, that's crazy. And so I talked to the guy and I said, you know what, I'd really like you to come on a podcast and share your story and talk to small church pastors about how they can minister to people in your situation. And he said, you know, I'd be happy to do that. So that then right away, I, I messaged his father on Facebook and I said, hey, I met your son on the plane. I hear you work just in my town, just down the street from me, how about we get together for lunch? So he and I had lunch last week, and I said, so your your son's story is also your story, but you have it from a very different perspective. I'd love to have you on the podcast and have you share with pastors of smaller churches how they can minister to somebody who's in a situation like yours. And he said, "Right, I'd love to do that. So he's going to come literally to my house, to the luxurious and opulent podcast studio, We're going to get a father-son, two different episodes, two perspectives, but both speaking into, if you're a small church pastor and you come upon a situation like this in a family, what's the best, what kind of ministry do these folks need? This guy's been featured on, I think, Good Morning America and People Magazine and all kinds of stuff. And he's got an amazing story. And here, I just ended up next to him on the plane. And so I call and recruit guests from anywhere I can get them. Literally anywhere. Thirty thousand feet. Sometimes a- you find yourself. That's absolutely.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> nothing is too hard for our listeners. We hey, will go to no. Uh, everything is is open to us. I was
0: sitting. I was sitting in the Cubs restaurant at the Chicago airport, where I like to go when I have a, like a two three hour layover, and I'm watching people walking in and out, and I'm thinking to myself, how many people here would make great podcast guests, if I could, if I only knew, and if I can only, you know, grab one, and I was praying, you know, God, you you know, help me to connect with the right people, and And I didn't didn't know, it was when I would get on the plane, that he would, the story is so, it's so funny, I would call it, I would call it my, my Joe Biden moment, and I don't even know (laughs) (laughs) if I could even explain that, I'm going to explain it to you right now, quick, Dave, but then we can't put it on the air. I'm going to have to cut this part okay. out. Okay, so that was it, but we couldn't play that for the rest that, of No, 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 no. That's not couldn't. something you can share. But, my, yes, my Joe Biden moment. I love it. And, no, I it was nothing about language. It was wasn't anything about language. I know some of you are thinking about that moment, so none of that. Okay, so Dave, you got on your Small Church Pastor Facebook group, which has exploded to well over 2,000 members now, and you asked for questions that we could address on this particular episode of the 200 Churches podcast, which is ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. And you got a list, you got a list, and you sent it to me, so we've got it in front of us.
1: I knew we'd have some good responses because so many of the members of the group. Listen uh, to the podcast but i didn't think that there was going to be this many in fact i mean th- there's just there's far too many for us to deal with you know today and so if you don't have your name uh hear your name mentioned and your question asked please don't don't uh let your feelings get hurt you know we just we had to trim it down you know some but uh some great stuff came in
0: yes really good so How about I read the first one? Go ahead. Okay. Pastor Phil from Florida, he asks, if you could speak to yourself when you first started in ministry, what would be the most important lesson you would pass on? So let me ask you that one, Dave. What do you think?
1: You know, it took me a lot of years. I I, I went into the full-time ministry at 19, and then I was a church planter at 21. So I I started doing this crazy stuff, you know, Mm. really, really young. Yeah. And I think if I could go back in time and talk to me I would say, slow down and take better care of your soul. Now, a lot of the things, Dave, that you're so worried about aren't as important as you think they are. You know, in that at that time, I was like so many other pastors then and now. I was just, I was driven, man. I, I wanted to grow my church. And then when I started having a little bit of success, then... Uh, I wanted to grow it more and more. And I don't know. I I don't know that I was obsessed, but I think I was close enough. I think that's what I would do. I would just go back and and say, just kind of slow down, be more reflective, be more contemplative. you got to be in this for the long haul. I would also say something along the lines of, don't derive your feeling of self-worth by how large your church is. It took me many, many years to break free from that yeah that 's what good. would you have told yourself
0: well that was that was my first answer, and I literally wrote down don 't neglect your own personal soul care and soul care and cultivate your inner walk with jesus and I mm-hmm. said, you know no one, no one else is going to take care of this part of us we we 've got to yeah. do it, but then what I also put down there is don 't underestimate the power of a simple habit repeated over a long period of time, and it 's anything from from fitness to spiritual disciplines to investing, to educational degrees, learning new things, a simple habit yeah. repeated over and over has this cumulative effect. And it, the better, you know, start them when you're younger. Start good habits when you're younger. Yeah. And just start, you know, start yeah. a new habit every month. Even even if you started a new habit every year, over the course of 30 years, you've got 30 new habits that have in themselves created powerful stuff inside of you Don't so you understand?
1: would be really asking the younger you what are you doing to be a lifelong learner how are you pouring into yourself whether it be you know cer- certain you know good habits that are going to have long dividends into the future yeah what do you think when we were younger i mean why why wasn't things like this on our mind
0: well, you know, as I think about it, there are certain things that I, I was good at this in that I did start when I was younger, and I'm reaping the benefits of it today, but then there were other areas where I really didn't, but in none of the areas was I thinking at the time, oh, if I start this now, years from now, it will benefit me. It's only yeah. as I've gotten older that I've realized, you know, how, how true that is, and I'm thankful for the relationships I have today that, you know, had I not started them, 30, 40 years ago, you know, they just they just right. wouldn't be there, and you could you can't buy those. You just can't buy them. So. Right. Yeah.
1: So good. Well, I've got a question here from Pastor Tim from Pennsylvania, and he says, "How can you get people excited about life groups or small groups if everyone is so busy and already so occupied with life?" With a small church, he says, "I've tried to accommodate according to people's schedules, but they still don't seem interested." Those who do come love it uh, and continue covering uh, coming. I, I, I guess that could that could be a question. It Wouldn't have to be just about life groups. It could be just about anything we're trying to establish in our church. Uh, you know, how do we you know get people involved who are already so busy? What
0: comes to your mind, Jeff? Well, like isn't that the question, right? That we all are asking yeah. in our society, in our generation. But you know, I would say. Number one, focus on who you have and rejoice over them. You know, celebrate the ones you have. As Johnny and I have said so many times, we lose out when we look right over those who are here, and we're focusing on the people that aren't here yet. Now, there's a maxim out there that says, hey, the most important person in the room is the one who's not here yet. Okay. Well, that can be true, but there's also, you know, the most important foolish thing to do is to overlook the ones they've already showed up. You know, right? They're, they're already here, right. so that—that's one thing I would say. You know, look—look look at the people that are there, and—and and I'm saying the ones that are there for whatever you're trying to schedule. You might have a hundred people in your church, and only five of them showed up, but don't—you know—don't minimize those five.
1: Well, when we can do that. You'll—you'll you'll hear pastors maybe even on a Sunday morning, they'll say something like. Uh, last Thursday night, we had a barbecue, and uh, I was really frustrated that not more of you didn't come. You know, and it always makes me think the person that's sitting out there that did come is thinking, well, I guess that even though I came, that didn't count. We, right. we can do that a lot, can't we?
0: That, and I would also say, make life group participation an expected part of church life with new people. So as new people come in, and this is part of that, uh, the power good. of a simple habit, as new people come in, whether they're move-ins or however they get into the church, whether you right. lead them to Christ or whatever, make life group participation something that happens. Tell stories of the good things that are happening in the groups that you do have. Keep trumpeting right. that news week after week. Be involved yourself in those groups. And you could, you could start new groups and then hand them off. And this can be, yeah, that's this could be slow and hard work. It is to delegate and to train another small group leader, but it's so worth it. You change the culture by expecting the right things and then affirming them, and then feeding the right things. You know, so you, you, your training time, your budget, your platform time. Uh, would go into talking about sharing, funding small group ministry, celebrating the right things, rewarding the right things, and the right things here being whatever it is you're trying to get your people involved in. You really have to be pointing to it all the time.
1: And I don't know what the balance is there of, uh, you know, not expecting too much or expecting a lot, but I think this is one of the areas that some pastors, we just need to get over this irritation that we can have when people don't participate in things that we know are going to be good for them or good for the kingdom of God. If we don't find a way to kind of live with that frustration, it'll just eat us up over a period of time. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's very true. The next question we got from Pastor Philip in Alabama. He says, how do you keep from having to do pretty much everything at the church? So he was called as a pastor. And then his Minister of Music died, and his paid custodian left. So he was asked to take care of it if they paid him for it, and his salary increased from $500 a month to $750 a month, (laughs) which I still might not be able to eat lunch on, I'm not sure. Uh, But from time to time, (laughs) he says, I have to mow the five-acre property, and now against my better judgment, I'm having to manage the clerk and financial records. And then he puts in all caps, HELP. I bet. <laughs> oh, so his so original question was, how do you keep from having to do pretty much everything at the church?
1: Well, it's easy for us to sit here and say, just say no. There, there genuinely are things that have to happen, and you know, or at least we think they have to happen. I, but I, I think there is some truth in just saying, you know, you're going to be as busy as you allow yourself to be made busy. And it might not be popular, you might not... Uh, you might make some enemies, but at some point we have to tell people that, have, you know, that uh, want us to take on more and more responsibilities. We have to be brave enough to say, you know, I can't take on anything else. And if I do, other things that are more important to me are, are going to suffer. This question from Philip begs another question, you know, as a pastor, you know, do we do as much, uh, do we do everything within our power? To really recruit volunteers? Have we really exhausted all the other people in our church that could help out, that could take on some of these things? You know, sometimes pastors think, they'll tell me, you know, well, I, everybody else is, is already overcommitted. But when I begin to work with them, they, they sometimes discover that not as many people are overly committed as they initially thought was the case. So this really brings up for me, I don't know about you, but a lot of issues of working with volunteers recruiting volunteers, the need to, to say no, which is really, really hard for pastors. What comes to your mind?
0: Yeah, well, that was the first thing that came to my mind to directly answer his question is, you know, you just, you do, you have to say no. You say, you say, let me show you how to do this. Or you say, okay. I won't be doing this as of, and, you know, fill in the date. But it's it's obvious that his church income is not his primary income, so... Yep. I would say to him, remember, you don't have to do anything at the church. Uh, what are you going to lose? $750 a month. Sometimes you have to let reality show, like right out in the open. So the lawn is yeah. in mode. Uh, there's, there's no music this week. We're just going to do a, a Bible study. The bathrooms, they just didn't get cleaned. Uh, force the people... Yeah to see what's true and real, what reality looks like, and then challenge them to step up. And if they're so old or so new that they can't, well, then you do it, but with a sunset clause, you know, and you pass off the work to others. Because if you don't, you you really are just enabling enabling them to continue to exist in an unhealthy church. And nobody really should be in an unhealthy church, at least not – for very long, at least not that unhealthy, where the pastor right. has to do all the work, because in the long run, that's, that scenario is not going anywhere.
1: Right. I have a saying that, you know, you get what you tolerate. Mm-hmm. If you tolerate people heaping more responsibility on you, then that's what you're going to get. Sometimes when we, let, when we leave something alone, you know, let's use the example of, you know, doing the janitorial stuff. Sometimes it just takes a while for certain people to say this is unacceptable and they step up to the plate and start taking care of things. I remember in our last church, the person who was in charge of our refreshments on Sunday morning quit and we couldn't get anybody to take over coordinating refreshments. And we had quite a few refreshments on Sunday morning. And so I, I just told everybody, we're not going to have refreshments. You know, I'll, I'll get here early and I'll make some coffee, but that's all you're going to get. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So the first week, all there was was coffee. The second week, someone brought some donuts without asking permission. <laughs> the next week, somebody else brought some donuts without asking permission. And pretty soon people were doing this. And then somebody said, Oh, this isn't as hard as I thought. I guess I'll, you know, I'll take, I'll oversee and kind of, kind of structure this thing. Nice. And see, it, it kind of took care of itself. But I had to be willing to not have any goodies on Sunday morning, which we'd had a bit of a reputation of having great food on Sunday morning. So it was, it was no simple thing.
0: Yeah, it was pretty shocking when there was nothing there.
1: Pastor Floyd from Pittsburgh. I was just in Pittsburgh in May, spoke at a pastor's conference there, had a great time. Cool. Uh, Floyd says, Since so much time is devoted to doing so many things because there are so few volunteers in a small church, how does one choose the best way to connect with the community as a whole? He said, I'm not talking about my my church community, but uh, the community in which the church is located. He said, since our children are grown and not in the school system, what are some other options? What comes to your mind, Jeff?
0: Boy, you know, Floyd, by the way, there's a pattern developing here, Dave, even with just a couple questions, right? That the pastor's busy and there's not that many volunteers, and that's true in the smaller church. But Floyd, you really should read Reggie McNeil's book, Kingdom Collaborators. Reggie McNeil, Kingdom Collaborators. uh, It's called Eight Signature Practices of Leaders Who Turn the World Upside Down, He talks about this exact thing, and he talks about how to get involved in the community and what a pastor, even a small church pastor by himself – can do to get involved in the community and then he talks about it he's on our podcast on episodes 268 and 271 so not that long ago uh we we started recording with him and then and then technology broke down so we didn't get it all and we had to go come back to it so episode 268 and 271 he talks exactly about this and then there are other people who are inspiring in this area Uh, a guy named shell zellweger on episode 211 he's i mean listen to him just for his name if nothing else uh episode 211 and laurie harris on episode 190 i just thought of these people who really talked about how to get invested into the community as uh as a small church pastor other than that you just get involved in the lives of people and you put i think you do this i think you have to put community events and volunteer opportunities, et cetera, things like that. Those have to go on your yeah. schedule and you have to prioritize them and make them a part of your ministry work week. So make community involvement a part of what you do as a pastor. This is hard because when things get busy, that's the first thing you'll cut off and your people will never know. They're never gonna know whether or not you volunteered at the shelter or whether you volunteered at the food bank or whether you visited in the nursing homes or hospital or whatever. They're never gonna know whether you did that or not. But you have to make that a priority on your schedule Honestly, I know how hard that is because we live in a time when, my goodness, we are all, we have way too many opportunities to do stuff and we've just got to be so hyper and super selective or else we get overwhelmed. So the bottom line is if you're really committed to connecting with your community, you'll do whatever it takes. And I would just say, put it on the schedule and make it, give it high priority and don't let lesser things bump it off.
1: You might have to say no to some church things right. in order to free up time to commit to something in the community and, and then uh, to make sure you're not overextending yourself. And that's, and that's you know, why I, I say consider spending, that as
0: a church thing. Just consider that yeah, as church yeah. work.
1: You're right. You know, we're seeing a little bit of some patterns here. That you know, if if we want to if we want to avoid being overextended, we might have to cut back on some things that are church related. So we could be out there. Plus, I think somehow we have to have a, a long-term plan of re-educating the people that it's not my job as the pastor to make all these connections in the community. I I, I think that it's I think it's something that a pastor should do, but there can be a mentality in some churches that, Pastor, that's your job. It's your job to grow the church. It's your job to right. be out there. Yeah. And we, we have to say, no, it's all of our jobs to be out there. I will do my part, but it's only part. Everybody has to be in the community, and every individual in our church has to uh, be able to answer the question, uh, what am I doing to cultivate relationships in my uh, my community? It just can't be put on the pastor, and this involves re-educating some of our churches that are in this old mindset. You know, back in the old days in a small town, the pastor was, you know, there might only be two or three pastors in a small town, and, you know, they'd roam around, you know, downtown in the small town and into the barbershop, into the bakery, you know, and, you know, it's this kind of old-school mentality that it's the pastor's job. But we're not going to get the job done unless everybody catches a vision for what their responsibility is in reaching new people and uh, relationships.
0: That is a great segue into this next question. Uh, Pastor Don okay. from Wisconsin. Now, not Pastor Don, but Pastor Dawn from Wisconsin said, Dawn, how, can yeah. we, how can we convince people to make regular church attendance a priority? My thought on that, I think
1: I say guilt and shame them.
0: Well, what that's I say. that's always your first. Yeah, you know, it's your first go to. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> guilt and shame, <laughs> condemnation. You know, that's threat, right. That's right. But my first thought, would I would challenge, if that is, I challenge the fact that if that is the goal, is regular church attendance the goal? And then I'm looking at that question, how can we convince people to make regular church attendance a priority? And I'm thinking maybe the better question is how can we convince people that they are the church, period. So if they're the church, then the church gathers. You know, the church needs the other parts of the body need the other parts of the body. So what is the goal or what are the goals the church needs to have to make disciples? Uh, I I would say, is is it to attend church regularly, or are there other goals, are there other objectives that a church should have to make disciples? Because the world has changed drastically. Culture has changed drastically, at least here in North America. And we need to engage people outside of the Sunday morning worship hour, and we need to engage them as much as possible. And another thing I was thinking is, why do we want people to attend, quote-unquote, church? Why do we want them Okay. To attend a service. Is it to give? Well, they don't need to attend to give anymore. They don't have to do that. Is it to serve or they can serve as the church anywhere? Is it just to take up space so we're not preaching to an empty room? I mean, why do we want them there and what do we want for them when they come? One of the things that I'm I'm facing you know, in my ministry is make attending worth it. Make it worth okay. it. Yeah. And in terms of talking people into just coming to church, we've heard this before. One convinced against his will is of the same opinion. Still, guilt and shame them to come, but you know when they come, they're not—they're not any happier. But I think the one of the bottom lines is this: make it worth it. You know, make Sunday right. gatherings worth it. And I, right. and I don't mean make it entertainment, and it's all about them. It's not. But when we make it worth it, then when they come, somehow they're going to they're contribute as well. It just can't be – it can be biblically sound, but it, it can't be biblically sound and dry as dust.
1: Right. I remember uh, in our very first church plant in Southern uh, California, uh, we had a special service. I think it was some kind of like outreach thing or whatever. But uh, it was during the summer, and a large percentage of my, uh, my leadership team – they weren't in church not only was it they weren't in church but they weren't in church for a special sunday i remember i was just so mad i don't know how i got through the service you know i kind of put on the smiley face but when yeah. ellen and the kids piled into our station wagon and were driving home now keep in mind at this time i think i think i was like 23 and ellen was like 21 or something cuz we planted when we were real really young and i remember driving home saying to ellen i can't believe that, you know, more people weren't at this service. And and what really bugs me is some of them were my leaders. I said, don't they know I'm trying to do something here? And Ellen, this 21-year-old pastor's wife, said, no, Dave, they don't get it. And don't you get it that no one in this church is ever going to be as into it as you are? If you don't accept that, you're going to drive me crazy. You're going to drive yourself crazy and you're going to drive your leaders
0: crazy. And I I would not have taken that too well at that time. I wouldn't have.
1: (laughs) Uh, You know, I I almost didn't, but I was saying, you know, she's right. And it was like a truth that stuck with me the rest of my career as a pastor. They're never going to be as into it as you are. And if we keep expecting our people to be as into Sunday morning attendance as we are, We're just setting ourselves up for frustration. I'm not, I guess, suggesting that we downplay Sunday morning attendance and consistency. I just think it's a battle we're not going to win. But I like what you say, you know, to ask yourself the question, would you want to go to your church? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've heard pastors actually say, I don't think I'd want to go to my church.
0: I understand being the small church pastor and not having a whole lot of resources. And, you know, your yeah. building is subpar. You feel like your people are subpar. You might even think that you're subpar. But the truth is, you really can create, and, and no matter what situation you have, you can create an environment that is worth people coming into. In the setting you have, right. the environment you have, and it's about relationships, and it's about purpose, it's about you know the environment that they walk into, and that's not. I, I mean, we we've all been part of something where we didn't have much, but we had each other, yeah. and we were happy together. Right. You know what I mean? And you right. you really can create that. It's about. It's about attitude, it's about spirit, it's about relationships. So don't think that, you know, you're doomed and you can't until you get a new building or a new group of people.
1: Right. Well, in some churches, smaller churches, they are actually, it's easier for them to create that family atmosphere that is attractive because they're not dealing with 100, 200, 300 people. A smaller church, people can be closer to one another. It can be like, you know, we're just meeting over at Joe's house for, you know, breakfast, you know, that kind of informal uh, feeling. And those are one of the, uh, you know, the positive things about smaller churches. Coming back to that, that encounter I had with my wife so many years ago, you know, people can pick up on our vibe if we're irritated with them. We might think we're really good at hiding it, but if we give off a vibe that we're frustrated because people don't have a greater priority being church on Sunday morning, they'll pick up on it and it just becomes counterproductive to what we're trying to do.
0: And right there is where we're going to pause and we're going to pick up the next time with part two of my conversation with Dave and the questions from the followers on his small church pastor group. Listen, we want to tell you a little bit more about Dave Jacobs. We've had him on our on our podcast since 2013. It has been five years that we've known Dave We've got to meet him personally, and I tell you, Dave is the real deal. So, Pastor, if you need coaching by somebody who is going to truly care about you, somebody that you're going to get close with, and somebody that you will literally be able to tell anything to, because let's face it, a lot of times as pastors, we don't have too many people in our lives that we literally could tell anything to. And Dave is one of those guys. Dave is one of those guys for me. Uh, I've been talking to Dave. Now, I've taken a little bit of a break since I moved. I'm getting resettled back in. And uh, Dave and I are going to pick up again with our monthly one-hour coaching calls. And uh, I did that, I bet, for, oh, at least two years before I left Orange City. And Dave is one of those guys I can tell anything to. And I think every pastor needs somebody like that. So if that's you and you need somebody and you don't, maybe you don't have anything to tell to Dave. You just need a pastor's coach, somebody who can coach you in ministry and who can keep you growing and moving in a positive upward trajectory. Dave Jacobs is your guy. You can find him at smallchurchpastor.com. He is extremely affordable. Dave's situation in coaching is something that you can take to your board and say, hey, would you invest in me as your pastor and allow me to be coached by Dave Jacobs? And they can take a look at what he's got. He even coaches boards, so he can consult and coach with your board on any number of things related to your church, your ministry, or you. So, take advantage of it. Dave Jacobs can be found uh, at davejacobs.net, but especially at smallchurchpastor.com. And here's how Johnny and I ended this episode. Well, what do you think, Johnny? Could you have made that just a little bit better?
3: I could have made a joke about America's drug policy and just say no. I mean, that's about all I think I would have contributed at that point. <laughs> you know, I, you don't remember, probably. No, you don't remember. Well,
0: You were born in when? 86? 86. Yeah, so the just say no with Nancy Reagan was going on by then. And uh, I was thinking about just say no when I said just say no. You can just say no. Yeah, but you know what? Pleasing church members shouldn't be the addiction. It gives addiction a bad name, right? Because addiction is tough stuff. That's tough stuff with people. But pleasing church members, come on, come on. You don't have to be addicted to that.
3: Wise man once said, if you want to make people happy... Go be a clown.
0: That's true. So Go be a you clown. know, honk honk. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Man, you and Dave, you and Dave. See, that's the thing. I can get on there, but I'm just bloviating. You and Dave are speaking from years of wisdom. Uh, I still have many of these issues in front of me, you know. So this is you true. And Dave have been through it and can speak from a wealth of knowledge about, yeah, how it is to deal with people. And we love dealing with people. That's why we're pastors. But the challenges that sometimes come with that, especially in a small church. So, a great job by you and Dave. I look forward to part two and catching the rest of those. But yeah, for now, pull a Nancy Reagan and just say no.
0: Just say no. Just say, hey, this is the end of the podcast. And I just want to thank our listeners for emailing us, messaging us. We've got. Oh, man. We've gotten a lot of, we've got some really good emails lately where I've contacted the emailer and said, yeah. hey, you have to be a guest on our podcast. So yeah. we I can't wait to get on the line with some of these folks. And, and part of it, you know, it's just scheduling both of us together and being able to do that just talked today with a guy down on the Gulf Coast, and uh, he's got stuff going on and couldn't do it today. But hey, he wants to know about uh, next week. I'm going to be sending you some stuff. Is next week a good week for you? All the weeks are good, as long as
3: the times during the week
0: are good. You gave me an (laughs) I'm on vacation look, so that's why I wondered. No, no, I'm not on vacation
3: next week. We're fine. Well, it's the
0: 4th of July. We just got to, you know, you're working around. Oh, it's the 4th of July. That's That's right. It's on a Wednesday this year. Such a good day for the weekend, right? <laughs> that's right. Wasn't it it seems like it was just on a Wednesday two years ago and then two years before that.
3: Well, I I always celebrate it on a Wednesday, no matter what day it falls. <laughs> it so. doesn't
0: really work that
3: way, but that's okay.
0: <laughs> well hey Johnny, thanks for joining me tonight for the in and out, but for this time for, for now it's gonna be out. There and you we're going to catch you next week on the 200 Churches podcast.
2: We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com. And to access every one of our hundreds of past episodes, go to 200churches.com slash podcast. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with yet another brand new awesome episode recorded specifically for small church pastors just like you. So until next week, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your two hundred church. All right, man. Thanks for your. Uh, where's thanks where's for Joe?
0: This. Is Joe still up? Do you want to see him? Yeah. Give him the microphone. Give him the earbuds too. Yeah.
3: Uncle Jeff wants to
0: see you. He might get a he might get a bit piece on the podcast. Oh, Asher wants to see you too. Don't
3: be scared. Why? Uncle Joe. Wants hey, her. Joe.
0: You. Hey, buddy.
3: Hi, Jeff.
0: How, you, how you doing?
3: Good.
0: Look at look at how old you are now, man. Are you, yeah, I'm
3: seven and a half.
0: You're seven and a half? Eight. No, you're not seven and a half, you're almost eight. Okay. July, August. Two more months and you're gonna be eight. Yeah. In the other August I'm
3: going in second grade.
0: Okay. So listen, I haven't seen you since you've been seven. How has it been to be seven? Good. It's a good year. Seven's a good year, yeah. isn't it?
3: Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, it is. <laughs>
3: That's good. Yeah, you, uh, Joe's birthday party. You should come up for that. Oh, when it? When is? Oh. Well, I'll invite you when it happens.
0: Plop. <laughs>